0: This episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Emma's Tea Spot. I've said it before, it's no secret. I prefer coffee over tea. But here's one thing you might not know. I'm an Anglophile. So obviously, I've been to that quaint shop in a Hamilton neighborhood in northeast Baltimore, Emma's Tea Spot. Go for a lovely date like I did or enjoy a charming tea party with your friends. Emma's Spot is the spot to get away from your troubles and put the kettle on and have a chat. Like British goods, but don't want to go across the pond? Emma's got imported goods like their brick boxes filled with candies, tea, and even crockery. These boxes can be customized for any occasion. Check out emma'steaspot.com for the proper British experience. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest, I'm going to read directly off of the, the bio that was given to me i'm gonna abbreviate it though we got uh with the as embraceive as it is welcoming we got ddm we got dapper dan midas welcome to the podcast what's going on rob how's it going it's sweaty right now i'm <laughs> i'm sweating my ass off here of right now oh, if i'm being no. real about it <laughs>
1: yeah it's, this weather is crazy um are you in baltimore or i no? am yeah. Oh my God, weather is like psycho. One day it's like hot, the next day it's cold. I'm going to get a sinus infection messing with this weather, but nevertheless, yeah. we're here.
0: Yeah, we're here. Um, I'm prone to the sinus infections, been here for forever over here, Middle East, over here near Hopkins, you know how it is. And uh, I go outside and I was like, yo, my breathing is off today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then
0: you get scared, cause you be like, do I have COVID? Like what's going on, you know? <laughs> yo, <bro. laughs> I mean, I, the, the wild thing is, I think I had it at the beginning, cause um, like back in like January of last year, I go there, <laughs> see the doc, and I'm like, yo, yeah, what's good? What's good with my nasal? And the doctor was like, I think he got a sinus infection. I was like, uh-huh. And then he gave me antibiotics. I was like, I've never had those for a sinus infection.
1: Sometimes it can I get it real bad in the um, winter. So sometimes they will give you an antibiotic, depending on how bad it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been it's been been crazy in the COVID era. If I even sniff wrong, I feel like, wait a minute.
0: That, that might have to be the thing if you sniff wrong. <laughs> so um nasal passages aside, um, I want to thank you for for coming onto the podcast. And um things are happening. Um me and me and my partner were sitting there watching, uh obviously we were watching like uh, Dark City recently, and I was like, I I I know him. <laughs> I know this person, (laughs) so I want to talk about your work or what have you, and talk about your your musical style and all of that stuff. Let's get the that that elevator pitch kind of rhythm of what you do and what you're about.
1: Um, I've been rapping for forever. Um, I'm really, you know, just an artist overall, songwriter. Performer, a uh, performance is my favorite thing. Um, some people like the studio the best. I love to perform. I love to be with the people. I love to put on the show. Um, I've been around for quite some time now. Um, started out in the battles here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. then progressed into uh, actual artists. I played in bands. Um, I do a YouTube show about politics. I think mean, uh-huh. I have uh, have. My journey's taken a lot of twists and turns and unforeseen paths, but I'm thankful for everything that's happened so far.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. And I, and I like how you, you touched on questions that I have coming up later. So you, you've done an interview before. That's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, not to bury the lead, you talked about um, politics, having an interest in that area. So let's. Uh, what was the thinking then coming up with the Secretary of Shade, which is a fire name by the way
1: oh, thank you um it uh is it was actually all by accident i would love to sit here and tell you that it was this grand design and i was like i think i need to explore this part of me no i got on facebook live i read a piece of omarosa's book it went viral I kept reading that book. Then people just wanted to hear me talk about different political news topics. And um, at the time when I started, I t- started Secretary of State in 2018, which is crazy. I can't believe that it's been um, going on three years. It'll be three years in August, which is crazy to me. Um, I still can't believe that people actually sit and listen to me talk for <laughs> about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so it was really an accident that a happy accident that just kept going. And I was like, I'll do it as long as
0: people listen to it. So in that, um, you, you talked about like, performance is a, is a big thing, right? And that's the vibe I'm getting, like you do, you do music, you're, you're doing the uh, YouTube series, what have you. Um, so in what ways do you feel like being someone that's from Baltimore and having that as, as a part of your, I get your identity as a, as a creative, how does that, like, shape how you perform and why you perform?
1: Um, I've always carried city pride with me. I never felt ashamed about being from Baltimore. I never felt like it was something that I should stray away from. Um, a lot of times, in especially in entertainment and music business, um, you know, people are like, oh, say you're from, you know, this place, or, you know, you should, you know, circle in this crowd. And yes, you do have to travel to, um, you know, get your name out there and to also build your brand and network. But at the same time, I never believed that I had to forget who I was and where I came from in order to do what I do. So Baltimore, that attitude, that that arrogance <laughs> in some ways, that pride, um, it's ingrained in me because that's how I was raised. That's why I am. I'm a son of the city. So I can't, um, I can't
0: abandon that. I think, I think that's important to um, carry with you, like, as you, as you move ahead, like a lot of times kind of, you'll have people, oh, I'm from here. I'm from the DMV as you were touching on. And it's just like, nah, you're not. Yeah. I know you, I know where you're from. And <laughs> I think like, carry it over. It's like, say two, say something with you in it. We're going to know where you're from. Right. Uh, so, like, I know The last year plus has been a little odd um, as far as what the normal setup is. But what does your daily routine look like when you're like in a creative space, when you're out there creating? What does that daily routine look like for you?
1: I'm, I'm a feeler. Um, I operate on, of course, there's structure when there's like show day or when I have to put an event together, Mm -hmm. um, or I have to organize, you know, studio dates that, that gets structured. But as far as my creative process, the pure creative process, I'm not talking about the business of the creative process, but the pure creative process, I don't plan it. I, I operate purely off of feeling, um, I record often, I write often, but I have a strong belief that everything that you wrote and everything you record, just because you did it, you recorded it or wrote it, doesn't mean that people have to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some sometimes we do things, I know I do things creatively just for exercise, muscle memory, um, mic technique, you know, uh, the song may be shitty, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, i i i i'm I'm recording my voice is is warmed and and staying in shape for the microphone um as far as how I write, if I'm not feeling a song um at that time or, and I just love the 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 beat or the composition, I'll come back to it. I don't sit and be like I have to write five songs today, <laughs> like um no, I mean that's nice. I'm glad you know some people do that. But I'm a, I'm a quality over quality person. Also, I'm the type of artist that I have to believe what I'm saying and I have to feel what I'm saying. If I don't feel it and I don't believe it, it's not going to register right coming from me.
0: Yeah. And I, I think and, and thank you for sharing that. I, I think that one of the things that happens when you're creating something and uh, whatever it may be, whether it be music, whether it be writing, whatever, I think when you're in a certain mind state, like you said, you you're, you're go off a of field, right? So when you're in a certain mind state and all these things that are happening around you, that has to have some impact on what you're putting out there. Not necessarily the quality, but maybe the subject matter sometimes. And I know I'll go back and listen to podcasts. I'm like, Oh shit. I can't listen to that year. That was uh, that was a dark year there. Or yeah. I was being particularly <laughs> spicy this year, <laughs> and, you know, and I would imagine that happens, and I don't. I, I'm going to be interested to see what comes out of this pandemic, post-pandemic creation, how that looks. So, what is what? What are some things that you've been kind of doing during this time to kind of keep your sanity?
1: <laughs> um, you know, I have become a slight recluse. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> um, I did, oddly enough, get closer to my neighbors. Which is something that I don't do uh, because we were confined to our houses and our front porches, front steps. Um, so we'd go out, sit out on the street, on the steps, and um, that was our summer. Um, of course, television—I uh, I must give Hollywood a hand and a, a tip of my hat because <laughs> one thing—we have got some amazing programming Absolutely. in the pandemic. Uh, we, we nobody can say Hollywood did not show up. Um, throughout this pandemic for the world, um, we watching major tentpole franchises and blockbusters same day they come out on <laughs> on 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 TV. When, when does that happen? Um, yep. I also um, rediscovered my love for uh, sports entertainment. Yes, I had become. <laughs> addicted to wrestling and now because I'm like older and an adult I can actually buy stuff. I'm like living out all my childhood fantasy. I went online and just bought every wrestler shirt that I like on WWE. I done bought a championship belt. I got the Million Dollar Man belt on the way. I just ordered that. It's ridiculous. I got the action figures. Like I'm literally sitting here (laughs) in my apartment and I got what? Naomi action figure, viscera, that's, viscera, that's big vis, <laughs> uh, China, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, Kofi Kingston, Big E, Lita. I mean, I I just went crazy.
0: I mean, I got I have a few pops, a few wrestler pops. Uh, I was actually just watching uh, Dark Side of the Ring before I got started. I was like, oh, right. let me let me catch up on this sad Brian Thoman story, and I'm uh. I have two action figures and they're very um, obscure. I have a Shinsuke Nakamura. That was Ooh. my favorite guy and um, a Macho Man Randy Savage but he's in the American flag decor and I was like this okay.
1: is you got a Shinsuke. Shinsuke is definitely rare. Asuka all the Oscar stuff is high as hell. Yeah. Um, Charlotte stuff is getting up there now. They're not producing so a lot of the old stuff if you can find an NXT one good luck. Um but yeah, that's what
0: I've been doing. I had my only mark out fan moment in existence when I saw Shinsuke Nakamura in person. I got his autograph. And um I went to his last uh show. He did a um it was like this War of the Worlds thing with Roh. So okay. it was it was in Philadelphia. I forget who he was um in the match against because I didn't watch the match because I waited in this line for the autograph the whole time. And when he came over there, I was like okay, you're not as big as I thought you were. You're a smaller guy. And then yeah. I, turned, I turned around and um, Kazushika Okada was directly behind me. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and and my, my buddy was like, you going to take a picture? I was like, my phone just died. He's like, yeah. I can take one for you. I was like, no, I just want to keep this moment in my mind.
1: <laughs> oh my I took my picture. I, I believe in a photo iPod.
0: <laughs> a little Agent Christian reference there. So um. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about the doc a little bit. How was it like working on uh, dark city, uh, beneath the Beat? Right, very Easy. Um,
1: uh, you know, the thing is I've known TT for a decade plus now at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, she called me, she, she called me and sent the an email. One thing about TT, she is very organized. Um, She is all about an email chain. She is all about a conference call. (laughs) Like, one thing you can't say about her is that you did not have notification, information. She's going to see one sheet, what to wear, where to be, what time, parking information. It it was the easiest thing ever. We shot my scene. Um, It was a brisk day um, by the (laughs) harbor um and literally the thing is when you've done this so many times and not to say that we're like these big you know people but when you've done productions Mm -hmm. a lot you know what you're doing and tt knows what she's doing i got there i was on set maybe that whole sequence for maybe three hours right yeah that was shot in three hours and it was so interesting because when we were shooting that scene, people wanted to be smart. You know, they had the joggers out there. We had permits um, to shoot that scene, in the joggers were I to run through because um, of the resist sign and stuff. But I'm like, y'all being extra. So we had to get people to keep them off. But yeah, we shot that um, from start to finish, meaning I got there at like, I think 10 a.m. or something like that, got to the hotel across the street with all the dancers got my um beret, got my makeup done for my little war paint, my my niece, and we literally walked across to the ho- to the um, harbor, we shot it. I wanna say I'm I'm being generous by saying it took two hours, because I don't even think it took that long. Um and by one o'clock, two o'clock, I was at home watching TV. <laughs>
0: I, I will say the first thing I saw for the, uh, for the film was it was um, it was a still of you. And I was like, all right, let's, let's see that. I was like sold on. I was like, let's see the trail. Let's get something. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be something I'm going to watch. And, yeah. you know, you know, me and my partner, we watched it and it was, um, it was great. And I was just like, all right, this is definitely a slice that belongs into that belongs to the canon That is Baltimore. I think.
1: Um, you know, uh, I, told T.T. I, I think this so much because you know, being in this business in, in the business of pursuing a global career as a musician and as an entertainer can be very depressing sometimes. It can be hard. You can feel like you're not getting where you would like to be and that you kind of wasted some years. Yeah. But then things like that, like Dark City will come along and I look at it and I'm like, no matter what happens, I am immortalized in a piece of film that's been seen on a global stage. So I thanked her a lot for that. And, um, it, it just, it was really, it came at just the right time. Um, cause I was going through a time, yeah. um, with myself and, you know, I, I'm, I'm forever grateful, forever
0: grateful. So in, in touching on that, that kind of connects to this next question. Um, so everyone has their different ways of quantifying success. How do you how do you quantify success? How do you define success?
1: I'm not gonna lie to you and give you this wholesome answer. <laughs> success, is my I'm a child of pop culture. I'm a child of commerce, consumerism, the mall era, the height of capitalism in America. Success for me is the zenith. It's the height. It is a global stage. As an entertainer, it's the Grammys. Hmm. That is success to me. That is the ultimate success. And I used to lie to myself and to people and say, oh, no, as long as, you know, I am able to. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. (laughs) Everything else is a failure to me. And I know people may say, oh, my God, PBM. How could you say that? They're so ungrateful and they're so selfish. That's my feeling.
0: You're entitled to have that.
1: You know, also, too, you got to understand, like I said, I'm a child of Americana, pop culture, mall era, Michael Jackson. You know, I come from an era where kids were sold dreams of the highest height. I lived right. in a time where American access was, you know, um, was crazy. You know, I was in, in, in high school in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I saw artists sell five, DMX about 5 million copies, then drop another album the same year, another mm-hmm. 5 million copies. You know, Nelly, mm-hmm. 7, 8, Times, Platinum, Eminem. To, like, that is success to me. These yes. little streaming numbers that they be
0: doing, that's nice. But what are your, like, actual physical sales? That's a, it's a conversion that you have to do to justify how they're quantifying that.
1: Right. It's like, and well, to, this many
0: streams is worth this.
1: <laughs> right, and not to dismiss that, but that's like, you know, it's it's my idea of success is it, it's a very high bar. Mm-hmm. It's a bar that I haven't reached. Um, and would I say I'm a failure? No, I know I'm not a failure as a person. But um, there are definitely things. That I just that's what it is. And I'm not gonna lie to myself or anybody else and
0: say that it's not. I, yeah. I, I can't I can't knock that. Like um, yeah. we, we don't have any Grammys uh for, for the podcast <laughs> space. And maybe we'll get there one day. But my 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 quantification for it would be like, yo, am I doing this and has it constantly grown? And am I a part of that conversation regularly? Am I known as I I've, I've been throwing out this question. You touched on pop culture, Americana, all of that, right? I always do the thing. Who's the pop culture representative of Baltimore? That's where I'm aiming for. Yes. That yes. would be success for me. I'm, n- I'm never going to get there, but at least I can shoot for it. Well, we don't know.
1: I think also, too, um, I think sometimes with age, age is a very humbling thing. And sometimes age will make you be like, mm, well, <laughs> maybe I can shave off a little here. and Maybe I don't have to do that here. And I may tell myself that, but ultimately, I'm going to be real with myself. If you talk to, to like, behind the curtain, not these bullshit answers musicians give you mm-hmm. in these interviews and on TV. You talk to a group of thieves behind the curtain, it's the Hunger Games. Absolutely. And we won't accept nothing less than a victory.
0: I mean, you you touched on it. You, you we we're about the same age because the thing that you were saying, I was like '90s, two thousand. I was like, hold on, hold on, that's my era. What are we talking about yeah. here? Because usually I'm the old person in the conversation, so I'm like, yo, I'm 36. What, what's happening here? <laughs> like, and you know, I'll have someone that's like, yeah, I've been doing this. I'm 23. It's like, fuck you, <laughs> like young ass. <laughs> and it is kind of this thing of I'll have people say, yo, you're 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 goaded right now. You're doing really well. It's like I don't feel that. I'm not quantifying this notoriety that's is great as you're, as you're touching on, but my, the, the thing that I'm shooting for is in a different place. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that keeps it going. It actually is, um, it's something that serves you to keep checking in with yourself. Are you doing good shit? That's going to get you there. Or are you kind of, uh, not necessarily selling out, but are you compromising to, for something else, for something that's beneath that? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Exactly. Uh, so fashion, obviously, I got to talk about that a little bit. I mean, I, I, I'm liking, I'm liking the the casual, the casualness right here. I, I'm yes. keeping it. And I was just like, all right. I mean, my sweatshirt is is dusty because I was uh, working out earlier. But uh, you're you're very relaxed. So who comes to mind um, when when someone says like you have a fashion icon? Who comes to mind for you? Uh, my fashion icon.
1: I have references. Um, I am a huge student of history. So a lot of the way that I um, express myself in fashion, especially in visuals and it shows, I draw from periods. I may draw from um, Nordic era, um, Viking era. I may draw from, you know, ancient Kemet. I may draw from the Roman Empire. I may draw from um, a Chinese dynasty. It depends. Um I think I like kabuki. Uh, I draw a lot of inspiration from kabuki theater, especially in how my shows are staged and different things that I do. As far as one person, like, or people, I would say definitely people who I take notes of inspiration from um, would have to be Grace Jones. I'm actually getting a Grace Jones tattoo. Nice. Um, in the next two weeks, um, by Omori from Ink Master, I'm like <laughs> so excited. Ob Jackson, um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, Grace Jones, um, I love Andre Leon Talley, um, as well, huge inspiration for me. Um, and I like a lot of foreign fashion magazines. Everybody knows. The foreign uh, fashion magazines are the best. They give you the best insights. They unlock chambers in your mind mm-hmm. to explore different ways to approach fashion and how things should lay, especially as a plus size person. Um, you know, there's the, the possibilities and that.
0: That's uh, see, I, I wasn't expecting to get that degree of insight. I was just like, usually that's like kind of a question it's like, yo, I weigh what's around. That was actually an insightful question. I when, when People ask me, like, why do you wear what you wear? I was like, I'm just a beard and Carhartt shirts. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> so you you touched on um, earlier, and this is my penultimate question. I have one more after this. Uh, you, you touched on earlier uh, people who were doing like numbers. You touched on Jay-Z, you touched on Eminem, you touched on, um, not Jay-Z, you touched on uh, DMX, Eminem and Nelly. Um So... What was that first album that you remember like owning, and how did you acquire it?
1: Um, That's such a hard question now, because I honestly can't remember. I know one of the most important albums. I always quantify a project by how I was feeling at the time, how I remember discovering it. So, true story. Um, remember the Columbia house, um, um, inserts that you fill off the of 12 CDs for a penny and you mail it to like your neighbor's address on a vacant house. T doors down the postman, <laughs> like, cause you're not paying that shit. And then the postman, um, delivers it. You run out of the house and get the CDs. Um, <laughs>
0: that was very specific.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but, um, Columbia house, I did that. So I got the 12 CDs for a penny. And um, I went and got it. And one of the CDs that I checked off, and it was actually not one of my first choice. It was just like, I need 12 CDs. Let me pick this one. And it was the roots, things fall apart. And um, it was snowing outside at that time. We had the same mailman for years. So he always, you know and it was snowing outside. And it was, of course, winter. And I went in and I put it in my Discman. Uh, first I opened the, I took the, see all of the CDs out of the, the cardboard carton that they were in. Mm-hmm. And I picked up the roots and I looked at the cover, because the cover of the album, they actually had several covers. A lot of people don't either know that or remember it, but they had several covers for that album. And they were all pictures of, um, human atrocities, Mm -hmm. global human atrocities. And the cover that I got was the notorious, which is often referred to as the main one of the, um, black girl running from the dogs. That's the one. And so that intrigued me and I opened the CD and, um, I put it in my desk man and it changed instantly and it shaped ultimately how I view an album should be made. The Roots Things Fall Apart to me is my own personal masterpiece. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, the closing poem by Ursula Rucker is, oh my God, a work. It is, it is a film. It's, it's, it's cinema. That closing poem is cinema. Um, and I think that they captured the essence of Black living in the city for that era, in the way that nobody else was doing, incorporating the live of instruments. Um, I have several favorites on that album, but that album, it really changed and shaped what I was going to be making and how it was going to be doing it, it really did. It's the most important album I think I've ever listened to in, in my journey of being an artist.
0: Now I'm gonna to have to re listen to it. I'm gonna to have to just put it on the old Spotify and get it cranking because I like that was one of the early um, early entries for me. And I just took records from my mom, is what I did. <laughs> so that's how I acquired pretty much everything until we started going to uh, a Flea Market and then I was buying <laughs> my own. And that first one was, uh, uh what is it? Uh, Queensbridge Fitness. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Talk about a, a
1: throwaway. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> I think no I got... Niles.
1: well mm, Niles is a legend. No shade. You was trying it with that compilation, bro.
0: Jungle horse. <laughs> your your bodyguards versus better than yours. Yeah. Uh, so this is the last question I got. And this is more of the that 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 summarization of everything. Um what what do you want listeners to take away from this interview that kind of contributes to like if they're listening to your work, what what additional insight do you want them to get maybe out of this interview?
1: I would like for people who are within the earshot of this recording to know that there are still artists out here who put thought into their work. Mm. Um, there are still artists who value point of view and aesthetic, um, and that a lot of work financially and physically go into and mentally go into um, these these projects. And I, I really I really would like people to know that when they turn on a DDM project, it has been crafted. It has been put together. Even if it's not a deep piece, it may be a happy piece like Beautiful Gals. It may be um, a character piece, a retrospective like Ballad of Omar, my upcoming body of work action figures that comes out later um, this summer, um, fall. It it could be lively like that. But just know that everything that you are provided and you are given is is crafted and designed with you in mind and designed to stimulate your, your creative juices.
0: That's great to hear. And I think that's something that's very important to hear directly from an artist, because I remember this interview a few years back with I think it was Donald Glover. And he was just talking about just how disposable things are. And he's just like, you know, okay, Drake's going to be popping. I forget what album was. This is maybe like 2014. He was like, this album is going to be popping for three weeks. And they were moving on to this next one. He was like, remember when albums would be out for like two years? And it's just like, yo, this is still popping. Now it's like you got six weeks and you know i think part of the the and i don't know anything about it but my sense is that i think the powers that be the people that are actually getting these things out there they're mass producing it not in the same way that you know you could have a dmx put out two joints in a year and then they both be popping you can have someone put out something and the the litmus for what's considered an album it's just rushing to the finish line can we get you know seven tracks out there that's an lp I mean, no, I'm sorry, EP. I, I said that wrong. That's an EP. And I think people are just getting stuff out there and I don't know how much thoughtfulness is put towards it. That's just my sentiment as a consumer. I'm not in, in that space to know it, but that's the sentiment that I'm getting. And it's good to hear that someone that, like yourself, is like, no, I, th- this is actually work that goes into this. It's not, just, it's not just Burger King, McDonald's. Let me just get this out there for you. Here's something to do a challenge to. No, here's something I'm actually crafting and being thoughtful in what I'm creating. I'm taking, you know, interest in my craft. So I appreciate hearing that from you. Thank um, you. So lastly, um, and I'd like to give everyone a chance to shamelessly plug. And you touch on a project that's coming up. So if you could reiterate on that and tell the fine folks where they can find you at on social media.
1: Well, you can find me on all Twitter, Twitter. Um, Instagram. Instagram has been hacked, so the powers that be are working on that now, so I should be getting that back soon uh, within the next day or so, but you can follow me at Dapper um, Also, too, for my YouTube show, youtube.com slash Secretary and Shane. Uh, my new project, Action Figures, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, comes out uh, late summer, early fall. We will have a single for you uh, mid-summer individual. Um, you know, and just everybody stay blessed and stay motivated, you know?
0: So, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I'm going to do my sign-off and that'll be that. That's all we. That's all I got here. So, uh, for DDM, for Dam Midas, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.